0: Hi everyone, this is Nato Sonitor from the Foreign Policy Talks. Thank you for listening to my podcast and I'm very proud that uh, the podcast is now developing and have more listeners. Uh, I'm inviting you to listen to this episode, which is I'm going to talk to uh, Abir Eteva, a senior spokeswoman of the UN World Trade Programme. Uh, specifically in charge on the middle east and north africa region we are going to explore the issue of food insecurity in those areas at the time of this pandemic you know that even before the pandemic happened the access of food for those who are the most vulnerable group of people in the middle east uh, and north africa region or uh, in the conflicted zones are extremely difficult. So I'm I'm curious, and we of course can imagine how it's going to be more difficult at this time and this pandemic uh, for those people. And I hope that we can discuss more on the UNWFP work and those areas at the at this COVID nineteen pandemic. So without further ado, let's talk to Abir.
1: Hello, Abir. How are you doing?
2: Uh, hi, I am fine, thank you. Uh, I hope all is well, also uh, at your end and uh, for the people of Indonesia.
1: Thank you so much for your kind message. So where are you now, Abir?
2: I am based in Cairo, Egypt.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Abir, I, I'd like to thank you for your time. I'm very honored and I'm very glad to have you here to talk at the Foreign Policy Talks.
2: Uh, well, thank you so much for your interest in the World Food Program and in having me on uh, on this podcast. I really appreciate uh, your interest in listening to uh, our uh, perspective on the situation Uh, Of COVID and hunger worldwide.
1: Mm -hmm. Yes, I'm sure it's also interest for many Indonesians. Many also our listeners on the on the UNWFP program, and hopefully we will have a very fruitful discussion. Uh, Abir, you know what? According to the UNWFP report and analysis that I read, uh, the economic and food security implication of the pandemic uh, is very huge and significant, you know, almost 212 million people chronically food insecure. I mean, the large majority of those people are, of course in Africa and other uh, Middle East countries, like Yemen, Iran, Iraq, you know better than me about this. Uh, so how severe is the impact of COVID pandemic on the food security, especially uh, on those countries, on the convicted and uh, poor countries?
2: Uh, a silent hunger pandemic is uh, going to sweep across the world, and this is going to be putting the seeds of possibly a famine in its wake. WFP analysis is showing that more than a quarter of a billion people could face severe hunger in 2020 because of the fallout from COVID 19. The health crisis threatens to become a global humanitarian catastrophe. Just if you look at the numbers of the acutely hungry people in 2019, this number stood at 135 million. We expect that another 130 million may be driven into severe hunger if the situation continues to deteriorate. That makes the total around 265 million in 2020. That is quarter a billion, quarter of a billion people worldwide. So COVID-19 uh, threatens to deal this fatal blow to communities who are already on the edge of survival. They are basically on life support and would likely die without humanitarian assistance and without food assistance. And if it's not for WFP, probably there's not, no one else uh, who's able to help because the governments are also very uh, strained. And many of these uh, communities are in conflict areas where basically uh, it's chaotic. Little to no savings, no unemployment insurance, reduced food subsidies. People who engaged in uh, subsistence or informal work to support their families, they cannot endure the sustained lockdowns or the interruption to their livelihoods. So the Middle East is actually hosting 20% of the global number of people suffering.
1: To continue with, uh, you know, in in Southeast Asian countries, for example, or in many countries, the government containment policy or measures in combating the COVID-19 pandemic has varied, right? So how are the region's government responding to the threat posed by the COVID pandemic in the, in the MENA region?
2: I think it really varies big time from one country to the other. But the majority of the region, while right now we're not hosting the largest numbers of people uh, suffering from the COVID-19, there are a number of countries that are uh, under partial lockdowns, mm-hmm. uh, other countries who are in total lockdowns. And there are countries which have probably more relaxed uh, uh, you know, environment. No. but with high threat from COVID-19. So in general, I would say there is no country or community in this region mm-hmm. that have been spared from the economic, the severe economic impact of COVID-19. Um, in, in, uh, in, I would say also, that uh, uh, because of, of, of these restrictions on uh, trade, on the movement of people, uh, on closure of, of many of the uh, active economic activities, we're seeing increase in uh, uh, food prices. We're seeing also high inflation rates in observed, observed in countries whose economies are already fragile before COVID-19 crisis. So let me give you an example. In March 2020, Sudan recorded a threatening annual food inflation rate of 88.5%. In April, Mm -hmm. the cost of standards, food basket in Syria, that's an estimate of staple food items a family would need in one month, it went up by 111% compared to the same month in 2019. So most countries in the region are highly dependent on food imports and they are ma- this is making them vulnerable to trade restrictions, border closures. Food imports um, to meet domestic consumption represent an average in general of around 17% of the total imports Imports uh, from these countries. So um, this is of course is having an adverse and, and a, a very negative uh, impact on the economies of these countries so between the lockdown down between the trade restrictions between the border closures between the loss of the economic activities two things we're seeing people losing jobs and the fr- prices going up up and this is basically the perfect storm for the uh, for for a region that's already in crisis
1: mm. You, actually, you have touched the, my next question, Abir, that COVID-19 is unfolding from a global health into an economic emergency and further unravel into a food security emergency, right? When the, when the supply chain disruptions lead to panic buying and anxiety starts to roll global food trade. So how big is the risk of the food crisis amid this pandemic? And what's the role of the UNWFP in preventing the food security crisis?
2: It's, it's, uh, I think we're seeing signs that uh, this is going to be, uh, if not dealt with fast and quickly, uh, we could see a, a major food crisis in this region for the rest of the year. Um, again, uh, it's vital that WFP maintains food assistance to more than 23 million people in the Middle East region at a time when the pandemic is threatening to push even more people into hunger. Many already of the people are receiving WFP food assist, food assistance and uh, they are relying on it for their survival. Of the 23 million people receiving assistance, more than two thirds are in Yemen and Syria. There mm. are protracted conflict and violence and frequently, which is frequently fueled by political, social and economic uh, and ge- geopolitical tensions and these remain the main drivers of acute food insecurity across the region. So in a nutshell, uh, it's, it's a very difficult situation in this region. It's, a, it's one that has a protracted conflict, that has violence. Uh, you look at the situation as at the moment in Lebanon, with uh, which was already pretty much in, in, a, in, a, in turmoil. FE is focusing efforts on mobilizing the resources it needs to provide food to around 100 million people in 2020 food assistance is a lifeline to vulnerable communities and boosting uh, social protection systems will be vital to safeguard the additional 130 million people who are at risk of slipping into hunger this year because of the pandemic. Um, We're carefully monitoring the emergency humanitarian needs to catch those who might be pushed into hunger uh, by the socioeconomic fallout of the pandemic Uh, And also we are looking at the uh, leveraging our experience and helping governments uh, strengthen social protection systems and school feeding so that we boost the impact they have on hunger in times of crisis and expand coverage to assist more vulnerable people. If you look at our region and to be more specific, we're providing assistance to more than 23 million people in the Middle East and North Africa, that includes 12 million people in Yemen and more than 4 million people in Syria. We're doing this by regular uh, food distributions, You know the food boxes that you see in the hands of people or through cash or food vouchers. It depends on the situation and the markets in these communities and, and how functional they are. Uh, more, more and more national governments in the Middle East are requesting WFP to support in rolling out this model of assistance. We're also doing uh, stocks, we're doing pre-positioning of buffer stocks of food and cash so that we cover at least three months of food supplies or cash for some of the priority operations. Um, Across the region, we are prioritizing the camps for refugees and internally displaced people like those that you see in Lebanon, in Turkey, Iraq, and in Jordan and uh, we're helping uh, uh, millions of displaced people in Syria, Iraq, and Yemen. So this is basically uh, a lot of the work that we're doing is already focused on the priority emergency operations that we have been working with, but also giving more support uh, to some of the communities that have been pushed into hunger because of the pandemic. And finally, we have now a regional global hub in Dubai, as well as one in China and one in Liège in Belgium. And we're uh, rolling out regional hubs in Ethiopia, in Ghana, in South Africa, Malaysia, in Panama. These hubs um, basically route medical cargo, health workers to the front lines with flights between the global and regional hubs and a fleet of smaller planes uh, ready to move cargo and personnel into priority countries because
1: commercial services are disrupted. Mm. It's awesome to, to listen that the UNWFP is now c- continuing the, the, the efforts and helping uh, the people to get their food access. But, you know, in, the, in a time when there's no coronavirus pandemic, it's, it's extremely difficult, right, to transport all of those uh, food assistance. But how, how is the situation and how does it practically happen on the ground now with the COVID-19? You know, with the with you know the challenges of making the the food uh, not only healthy but also safe for those people, right? So how does how does it practically happen on the ground, Abi? Um,
2: on the ground, you know, the World Food Programme is an expert on the logistics. Uh, element of delivering food. We've been doing this for over 70 years. And actually the World Food Program is the arm, the logistics arm for the whole United Nations. So our expertise is on logistics and we take pride on the fact that we have been doing this for many years and know how to deliver food from point A to point B. Of course, it's very challenging these days because of the restrictions that we have and the border closures and the disruption to uh, commercial uh, fly, flights and, and uh, the, 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 the challenges that the world, the whole world is facing uh, in light of COVID. So uh, what WFP is doing is that we are looking at the, uh, it's basically it's WFP logistics service will be the, the backbone for the global COVID-19 efforts to allow humanitarian and health workers on the front lines, uh, front lines of the pandemic to stay and deliver. And this is why WFP has called and required, is requiring $965 million to sustain these services uh, through the end of, 90, of 2020. Um, how can we do this? I think there are many examples. Uh, for example, to, to give you examples from Asia and from Africa, In Bhutan, for example, WFP is helping the government pre-position food for three months for half the country's population of 800,000 people, uh, providing storage units to address the storage needs. In Iraq, we're working with the UN Refugee Agency to assist around 35,000 Syrian refugees and 10,000 displaced Iraqis to help them cope with the impacts of COVID-19. In Lebanon, we are working to assist Uh, 840,000 people affected by the economic fallout, covering gaps in safety nets and meeting urgent needs. Pakistan scaling up assistance to cover the needs of an additional 1 million people that are likely to face rising food needs as a result of the impacts of COVID-19. In general, there are so many examples from all around the world. We do it, but it's taking us more time because we have to do it now with uh, social distancing, making sure that we are also minimizing the risk of spreading the virus among the most vulnerable populations in around the world. So uh, distributions are working, uh, we're increasing the, the, the uh, scale of the distributions. So, uh, you know, rather than have people come for one day, we're spreading out these days. We, are, we have installed wash stations throughout the uh, distribution areas We have, um, uh, you know, worked on on making sure that there is at least uh, one to two um, meters in between one beneficiary and the other during food distributions, And we're trying as much as possible to limit uh, these distributions and help people get access to cash if the situation allows. So it is a challenging work in a different time. We've never experienced something like this uh, before. Uh, but i think i'm i'm confident that the um, the the the, um, the aspiration of my colleagues around the world is to really help people and they are doing their best to make sure that we get into uh, into the, in, in, into uh, providing this help sooner rather than later
1: so you mentioned that the UNWFE has never experienced this before but you know that the, the coronavirus pandemic is not the first health crisis in the northern Africa and Middle East, with the, you know Ebola a few years ago, for example. So, what are the contingency plan of the UNWFP at the time of the health crisis like now? Instead of not, I mean, besides the the enhancement of the distributions and also the you know the transportations of the food assistance that you have mentioned earlier.
2: In general, uh, yes, I agree with you that it's not the first health crisis uh, that WFP works under, but it is the first large-scale crisis. I mean, Ebola, at the end of the day, was very much restricted uh, in two uh, areas in Africa, and um, WFP has worked very closely with the World Health Organization and with humanitarian agencies to uh, allow people uh, first of all, to provide the logistics support for these agencies so that food and medicine can get to these people quickly. Uh, there has been also very innovat- uh, innovative ways of delivering food so that people do not leave their villages and go uh, to spread to other areas to spread the virus. So we've learned a few things throughout this ordeal uh, with the Ebola, which still was uh, this, the number of people was not as much as the, uh, the what we see in COVID, which is hitting every community around the world. Also, the uh, h- highly contagious nature of COVID-19, uh, as compared to Ebola, is you know presenting to healthcare workers and and to humanitarian workers a huge challenge. So we, there are few lessons learned that we learned from the Ebola crisis. The most importantly is that. We are, we are on standby to provide this logistic support to all the agencies. Uh, the second uh, thing that we learned that it's really important to help people where they are so that they do not go and look for food elsewhere and look for humanitarian supplies elsewhere and therefore risk infecting more and more communities. Um, I think we've become experts from the Ebola crisis in helping uh, build hospitals mobile clinics, uh, uh, putting warehouses, and of course, operating uh, uh, an airline uh, like the, the humanitarian air service that allows aid workers to move freely from one place to the other.
1: Mm, awesome. So, uh, Abir, I, I read also one report of the UNWFB at present uh, that the total funding gap for your programs amounts 2.2 billion US dollars countries with the most severe WFP funding shortfalls are like Yemen, Syria, South Sudan, Somalia, and some other countries. So how are you going to cope with this funding shortfalls?
2: Um, This is coming at a moment, uh, the COVID-19 is coming at a moment when we were actually uh, well-funded for the last few years, but with the increase in numbers, it's it's hitting, uh, you know, a number of elements. First of all, our main donors are some of the governments that have been hit hard by COVID-19. So we are probably going to see a decrease in the contributions that come from these uh, countries. The other element that's um, really risky and dangerous at the moment is also the increase in the numbers of people who are at risk of uh, um, you know falling into hunger, so we're we're, we're f- uh, facing two elements and two challenges: possibility of decreased funding and the also the possibility of increased in the number of people who need assistance. At the moment, we are appealing for the 965 million for the logistics operations to be able to uh, uh, you know jumpstart the delivery and and making sure that we have the logistics support to be able to uh, get to people wherever they are. But we also will face uh, challenges in raising funds for the, uh, you know, Many, many more millions of people who need assistance now. This gap of the 2.2 billion is, of course, going to be a huge challenge, and I think um, it's not looking like uh, we will have a good year when it comes to getting these funding. And this is why we appeal to all the governments to make sure that, uh, while addressing the local needs and the uh, addressing the needs of their own populations, not to, to not forget that there will be. Um, uh, problems all around the world because of COVID-19. And we've learned, what we've learned from this virus is that uh, a problem that starts millions of miles far away can move quickly to become a challenge for the rest of the world. So we're in it together and we have to deal with it together.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much for the, the explanations. What, what, my last question, what do you want to say to the listeners? to the Indonesians who might want to support the UNWFP efforts uh, in the middle region
2: specifically. Um, I would like to tell the uh, Indonesian listeners um, to stay safe, to stay healthy, to take care of their families and to, um, to of course not forget the uh, millions uh, of people who are in need of support across the world Uh, and especially in the MENA region. So uh, if they can donate, then uh, they can go to the uh, WFP.org or download the app of Share the Meal and make sure that they are able to contribute Uh, as little as $1 can save uh, families. Uh, So uh, donate uh, uh, through the website or by sharing the meal, uh, sharing a meal uh, on the app, uh, which is called Share the Meal. Uh, also, make sure that uh, while we are during the holy month of Ramadan, that we are also uh, very um, conscious of food waste, and that every uh, you know everything counts. We should, as much as possible, be able to conserve. Uh, while this is time of um, festivities, it's important to conserve on um, food needs at this moment. Uh, I, I, it's a message not just to the Indonesian audience, but to the whole world. Uh, that this is also a very a moment where we need to show solidarity with the most vulnerable people around the world.
1: Thank you so much for portraying the situations and the many regions uh, amid this COVID pandemic and also telling us on how the UNWFP cope with the challenges uh, in in doing your work for the, vulnerable, the the most vulnerable people in the many regions. Thank you so much, Abir. I hope you stay safe and healthy also in Cairo. Thank
2: you very much. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me and uh, wishing uh, the audience um, a blessed Ramadan and, uh, uh, you know, a happy Eid and uh, staying safe and staying healthy. And thank you for having me.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. Goodbye.
2: Bye-bye.